start with a name. As many of you have already guessed, it is a play on L-I-T-E, and indeed this was part of the brief, but it did not end up that way. The watch is anything other than light. So the name light is of course the light of a lighthouse. The lighthouse is an identifiable graphic device we have used on many watches, and is the official Schofield mascot. You see, we have a domain, the coast, specifically the British coast, we own it. It is ours. Many watch companies take a piece of the sky. Pilots' watches abound. Some take to the sea, mostly below it and a few above. Lots, including ourselves, sometimes champion space. So taking some geography to call your own is an important part of the marketing. And you can see this idea go really niche with, for example, chef's watches, owning the kitchen, golf watches, racing watches, even erotic watches, presumably owning the bedroom. The lighthouse is our talisman of the coast, a way for us to articulate great British engineering, reliability, hope and romance, something steadfast and permanent. So the Schofield light sounded better than lighthouse and is more specific to this model whilst emphatically representing our brand. So what is the point of this watch? Don't say make money. That is crass and actually untrue. The point is to make a beautiful thing, to bring it into the world that satisfies my needs right now and hopefully for a while longer. The business of others buying the watch is the important bit that makes it viable. Without selling some, they would not exist. When I design something beautiful, I am compelled to make it right. It just has to happen. It would be a crime not to see it through. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I am fortunate that there are other boys and bells that like what I do, enough at least that perpetuates the making of things, mostly watches. Believe me, there are many objects that do not excite me to the required levels of manic enthusiasm to make it to production. And it is here that we come to the dichotomy of the brief. Design an entry-level Schofield. What a terrible brief that would be. Knocks all the fun out of it, I think. It implies boring, cheap, compromised. I cannot do those things, even if it could mean selling a large number and selling them easily. This is the conundrum. How do I fall in love with the project whilst being subtractive, taking away the good stuff? How to make a watch in this way, that I would then choose it over something like the Obscura, which promises to be me turned up to 11? Well, it was hard initially, then it was easy. Let me tell you why. I had a design I had been sitting on for years, a watch called the Lentica. Again, a play on lighthouse-related word, lenticular, or lens-like. This watch had a form factor like a pebble, built with tactility as a priority. The beaches around us in the south coast of England are shingle, which is pebbles, not sand. It does not matter how cool your watch is, you never look tough walking on our beaches in bare feet. Anyway. The Lentica took a design turn that was too awesome to ignore. The sapphire crystal, often one of the most expensive single components of a watch, was shaped in a way that broke the brief of being affordable. But it was too good an idea to throw away. So a new design without this crystal 
must not feel like a rehashed version of the lentica, a poor man's lentica, compromised because I removed the good bit. A new brief was drawn up, based around the lentica, something like this. More affordable Schofield, with a smaller and flatter case shape, built for tactility, with recognisable military cues. To be very much Schofield, but where every element is different. To be understated, but not conservative. To look and be tough and elegant. To not overspend on the extras, but not reduce the theatre, wonder quality and integrity. It's going to be difficult. So, let's skip ahead a couple of years of tweaking and tinkering to the thing that I'm actually holding in my hand now and reflect on those points. Affordable. An incredibly presumptuous and somewhat condescending word but I do not mean it as an end result, like how much it will end up being, but more as a starting point, knowing the design has to not run away from me like the Lentica did. Instead of taking away extravagant elements, how about designing without them in the first place, so the watch, as it develops, could still in fact be additive? Smaller and flatter case. Yes, it has been long overdue. I have to show you all that I am not a one-trick pony, that I am perfectly qualified to do something fresh. Field watches have interested me for years, an odd category because most that fill it are often quite pedestrian in design, cheap and sometimes crude. Could I make a field watch interesting, a tad elevated? To be a field watch with vintage, romantic and the necessary military vibes, it would have to be smaller and flatter. So things are already coming together, logically, reasonably. I settled on 40mm diameter because I wanted to have a watch that size. It is that simple and that selfish. There are some days when I just wanted something smaller than the Deriga 44mm. Height-wise, well, that is not so simple. You have to add up all your components for that. There is less wiggle room because it is to a degree predetermined. I cannot walk you through all the steps taken to arrive at the case shape I have now because and this is typical to how I work, there is a pertinent idea, that one idea that you cannot get away from. And I do not bother with alternatives because I am already too excited about the main one. However, this one idea, which in reality looks like one drawing on the computer, goes through many changes. And if they are grand enough, the file is saved as another version. 17 versions or so later, we have a case that is actually way more interesting than the photos you have seen below. Let me explain. If you look from the side, the curve on the top surface is smaller in radius than its partner on the bottom surface of the middle section of the case. This means that the case is in fact thicker in the centre and then it tapers towards the lugs. Not only this, but there is a ramping curve that begins on the top surface at the lugs and builds in steepness as it reaches the bezel. This compound curve is a major feature of the case, giving us all the highlights and lowlights associated with good architecture and, in my opinion, good design. This is amplified by the bezel being brushed vertically from 12 to 6. Now on that... A brushed bezel gives an intermittent highlight, not a persistent one. For that, we would have to have it polished. In real life, that means the bezel flashes at you as the light catches it. 
The brushing is a ring of luxury. That flash literally is the flashiest part of the design and says, I'm just a little bit fancy. You'll remember in the brief that I wanted every element different. So now let's look at the crown. It's a typical Schofield crown with a small nail groove, fine knurling, an engraved logo in the face. But the light crown is positioned at four o'clock to protrude less, reducing wrist digging, but again hitting that military thing. And frankly, it's quite cool. The strap fitting, like other Schofield watches, is moved to the watch's center. On the light, they are semi-rebated. There is a step in the case. This was because I wanted that sweeping curve I mentioned before to be as long as possible. And for that, I need more metal. But I did not want a long lug length. Now I'm sure that makes no sense at all, but it would if you had one in your hand. Back to the crown. Schofield crowns need to be protected, but without the ubiquitous crown protector bosses, which are basically wedges of metal that prevent you knocking the crown so bad you damage the tube or the stem. Rather, we do it by embedding the crown in the side of the case when it is fully screwed or pressed in. But the crown's diameter was larger than the side of the case. I thought this was brilliant because I could break it through on the top and the bottom when the crown was fully screwed in. It reminded me of a volume control on an old Panasonic Walkman I once had, which was a masterpiece of industrial design. I do not work in SolidWorks, which is a 3D rendering, engineering, drawing program exclusively on PCs. And this may come as a surprise, but I'm a 2D designer and work exclusively on a Mac. I asked my good friend Brian Leach, a legend of a designer and owner of Sidereus Swatches, to do the rapid prototyping. He has access to rapid prototyping machines. And for this to be done properly, he would have to convert my 2D drawings to SolidWorks files. And there are few people in this world that are allowed to take liberties with my designs. But Brian is one of them, and I grant him full permission. He wanted to try me on his wheel arch idea, a curved hood that arches over the crown on the top and bottom surface, preventing the aforementioned breakout. I belligerently said I would look at it, and a month later I was holding the first green plastic prototype cases. Naturally, the one I liked the best had Brian's wheel arches, and we see these on the production model. The crystal is a box sapphire. This is the most expensive circular shape you can commission. But because it brings us to that lenticular shape, that pebbly feel, it is a hard point, not negotiable. It is beautiful, glassy, perfect. Also, it sticks up high, protecting the metal case. The case back had to be special. I have set a precedent with previous watches. If you know your Schofields, then you'll know that creative case backs is a thing. Now is my chance to show off. I wanted the canvas size for the artwork to be as big as possible. So those little counterbores you see at the edge of the case back used for opening and closing were causing me problems because they take up important real estate. It was my supplier that suggested that the artwork be printed on the underside of a mineral crystal. And the benefit is this, that you use a rubber ball to open and close the case back, and it happens to grip the glass brilliantly. Also, if it were printed on the glass, it meant that the artwork could be oriented vertically, like the brushing on the bezel, 12 to 6. 
I always thought that this technique was too expensive and out of reach for me, so it was never something I really pursued. But armed with this new technique, it meant that I could also design with colour. So we have colour, in this case a kind of mute military drab. We also have alignment, 12 to 6, a large canvas because no opening holes, with a perfectly smooth interface between the glass and the metal. Also, the artwork will never degrade or wear off because it's on the underside of the crystal. And there is still more. How about some of the artwork be clear, unpainted, so the movement can be seen? How about I do it subtly, which of course is in the brief, maybe just the stars, the light of the lighthouse, the horizon line, and the tiny Schofield logo. These elements are so small that when they catch the light, they scintillate, sparkle. You can hear I'm using the word light a lot. Apt, right? Just as when I describe the obscura, I'll be using the word obscure. You'll see. The dial-in handset was easy. Sometimes this happens. The pertinent idea is so thrilling you rattle through it. It was a given that it had to be a stepped dial. The hour index printed onto a raised ring. This is a Schofield thing and another hard point. For this to fit the brief, I needed clarity. So high contrast and a full hour indexed, all numerals. The issue for me was that if you make those too large, great for clarity, you reduced elegance. The difference between clarity and elegance is delicate. Hundreds of scaled versions were applied to reach this balance. The paper textiles adorn the walls of HQ still. The handshape was originally done on another watch, which I have not yet made, called the P5. There are a number of variants of these hands, the Obscura type, and a forthcoming bronze watch. But these needed to be plainer. It suited the no-frills attitude of this general-purpose field watch. So I made the edges of the hands parallel and the bevel straight not curved. I also wanted these hands finished with lacquered paint, not metallic coated or plated. Other watches I do have metallic or plated hands. But lacquered hands when done properly, are thicker and catch the light in pleasing ways. The dial and handset share the same colours. They are flipped, actually. The primary dark colour on the dark watch version is the dark secondary colour on the light one, and vice versa. The hands are made in two sets, like the dials, light and dark. The light set goes on the dark dial and the dark set on the light dial for contrast. That much is obvious, I think. Except for the GMT hand, that is swapped over so it blends in with the dial below. Clever, right? A couple of other things to say about the dial. We always replace the 12 with a zero, or more specifically, a slash zero, typically a diagonal slash. But this one is different, again expressing the brief, that these Schofield elements should be different. And it's very subtle, but this zero slash is horizontal. Also, the print on the centre of the dial is ghosted, very subtly different from the base colour. It is hard to read, but that's okay, because the text there is unimportant. It's just the brand name, and you know it already, so there's no reason to shout about it. That print is asymmetrical, which I feel is a little bit military. The wording reads, Automech GMT Light Type A. Perhaps there will be a Type B. Let's see how this one goes. I think you will agree I have not mentioned a single thing that supports the watch being less expensive. So let's circle back to 
this fact. There are numerous ways of making a watch cheaper, but nearly all of them are unacceptable to me. Scofer watches are made in very small numbers, and this naturally makes them more expensive to manufacture. So in this case, I made 300 lights, which, by the way, is a large number for us, divided into 150 light ones and 150 dark ones. That's what they are called, by the way, the light one and the dark one. Another way would be to use a movement that is not silly money. I'm a huge fan of Seiko and Japan in general. We have already made Japanese editions of watches, and we have used inexpensive Seiko movements in our wall clocks. Now, don't let the idea of a less expensive movement put you off, because it is a brilliant movement, and it just happens to fit the budget. I choose to use this movement. I was not forced to because of the brief. What it did mean was that I could also go the extra mile and get the version with a GMT, the NH24. This watch is not a GMT watch. I mean, it is, but that's not what it is all about. It is an extra, a bonus, not the main reason to buy. And that's why the hand is subtle. There is no dedicated index for the GMT, so you have to learn how to read it. A small investment and a quick study makes light work of it. And once you have the hang of it, it's a breeze. The complexity is that the GMT hand does one revolution every 24 hours, whilst the hour index only shows 12 hours. Don't worry, I'm not explaining it now. There is an instruction card that it comes with. But I do want you to know that I believe that it is exactly this kind of investment in time that makes the product more yours. You are more anchored to it. A bit like learning Apple shortcuts. Deft keyboard skills enrich the usage on a Mac, right? Now, if you're not asleep already, let me tell you about the packaging, because it relates to the brief in every way. It had not to influence the overall cost. You are, after all, paying for the watch, the straps, the buckle. But whenever you make something cost-effective, boring comes to mind. I totally disagree with this. Creativity and refinement still has a place. But maybe it can't if you're paying for it. I'm not paying for it. I do it myself. So I will design as if a component costs the earth. Fortunately, I met a young genius who specialises in using unusual materials and surfaces and the machining and creating of super cool stuff. Will Atkins is a trained architect and artist and applies superior design chops to all of his projects. He and I cut from the same cloth and the light box is a joint effort. Made of cork and a material called Valchromat. The cork negates any additional upholstery. It also has a fun detail that alone makes the box elegant. I won't say much more as it will ruin the surprise and I think a special packaging episode is on the cards. We will also talk about our new project, the Strap Mess, later this year. Next, we get to the buckle. I have a confession. I made a buckle for the Obscura, and it was so good, literally the best thumbnail buckle on the planet, that when a buckle designed for the light was delayed unreasonably, I was forced to equip the light with the Obscura buckle, the fanciest of all buckles. I don't regret this, of course. It's a thing that benefits us all. Now straps. And this is where we will finish. Please stay awake for this part, as this is very exciting. You will want to hear this. The light takes a 22mm strap. Normal Schofields are 24, tapering to 22. This one does not taper. It is straight cut, which is why it still fits all Schofield buckles. But a whole new range of straps has been made to support the light. 
there is even a new website for these straps. Some of the selection will be familiar to Schofield Strapaholics. The light uses quick-release strap bars and comes with a grey leather and black India rubber. The colour of the buckle corresponds to the watch case and both watches, light and dark, come with the same two black and grey straps. If you want to, or need to, jazz up the light, and this is huge, or any other brand of watch that is either 22mm or 20mm, yes, we do 20mm versions as well, between the lugs, then visit Sugar Free. There is a link below. The light watch is available on the Schofield website. Also, the link below. So why Sugar Free, you ask? Well, there is a story there, but that is for another night. Thank you.